Hi, my name's Tara Humphrey and welcome to the Business of Healthcare podcast, where I will be sharing interviews, insights, project management, leadership trainings and lessons learned from the field of healthcare to improve the delivery of your projects and business performance. Hi, welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Tara Humphrey and I'm the founder and managing director at THC Primary Care, where we provide support to improve the delivery of your projects, networks and business performance, saving you guys time, money and stress. We provide hands-on project management support and facilitation. So in today's episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Hector Smethers. Hector is the founder of a company called Apt Health. Aptelf is a tech company, it's a social enterprise working with primary care organisations to help improve their call and recall process, which basically means they're making it easier for patients to access appointments. I definitely think you're going to need a pen and paper for this interview. At one point, I felt like they gave us a little bit of a, ma- little bit of a masterclass on how to create a change. Um, using behavioural economics and gave us the framework, the EAST framework. And that was around how do you phrase and structure better communications to get people to act and do something, how to make it easy as possible for people to participate, how to make your proposition attractive, ensure you're making your proposition timely and the benefits of making your interaction um, social. So I just I really, really like that. And when we are thinking about changes in healthcare, I think it's the devils in the detail and the terminology we use and the time of day we send out communications and what we want people to do when we receive the communications. And in apt health, they're always thinking about how can we make it as easy as possible for people to participate He talked about um, digital exclusion and making sure that um, their company doesn't just serve the population that are kind of very au fait with smartphones and things like that. It's they're about making sure their products and their services deliver the maximum reach to reduce health inequalities. Hector had an interesting kind of route into kind of entrepreneurship. He started off as a volunteer, saw something could be better and then built a company to fix it. Probably my favourite part of the interview is when I asked, have you ever experienced moments of doubt and how does he manage stress? And that was really, really helpful. He kind of gave some really, his experience, I think, is really helpful advice for other people that um, like we all do experience stress and doubt and worry. I think that's really, really helpful. Um, I thought that was really, really interesting and I'm really glad that he shared so definitely definitely listen to all of this interview I think you're going to love it I do please could I ask if you like it uh, please comment and like it and share it on social media um, and I will see you in the next one Hi, Hector. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Business of Healthcare podcast. How are you doing? I'm really well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, really good. So we got put in touch by your colleague, Ben, and yeah, I think we kind of connected on social media and he reached out to me and was telling me a little bit about Apt Health. And I was like, we need to get you guys on the podcast. It sounds really, really interesting. So could you share a little bit about yourself and how um, Apt Health got started? Yeah, totally. Um, so I was actually volunteering in a GP surgery in East London uh, in 2016. Um, and 
I was kind of in an, in an unusual position there. I was, I was there as part of an innovation fellowship. And I was given a, a really broad brief to kind of try new things, uh, to try and get to, get to grips with the challenges that the uh, practice was facing. And the, the practice itself was really quite innovative. They were uh, already doing lots of stuff that was uh, great for patients and great for their, their team. Um, and it was just a really kind of fertile place to be thinking about uh, innovation in primary care, I think. But my, my role was quite unusual in, in and of itself. Um, I was uh, spending half my time with the reception team uh, doing the sort of typical uh, administrative function that kind of keeps the practice going. And I spent my other half of, uh, of the week working with the communities team. So uh, working with work, walking clubs, with uh, social prescribing and working with uh, other parts of uh, the practice, um, really engaging with the patients uh, that, that really relied on the service. And I think this gave me, gave me a little bit of a, a perspective of both sides of the desk, if you know what I mean. Um, really kind of gave me a, a, an idea for the challenges um, that, that both patients and uh, practice staff faced. And I started to look at the kind of various challenges. And one of those was around uh, things like call and recall and um, hitting targets uh, around QOF and around uh, things like NHS health checks or uh, cancer screening. and. I started working on call and recall as a kind of a core work stream for me. And I was just kind of shocked by the, kind of the, the, the standard operational procedures, really. Um, so could I just, yeah, for sure. Those of, for, those, for our listeners that may not know what call and recall means, can you just um, explain that, please? Yes, totally. Um, so call and recall is generally the process by which uh, a practice uh, goes about getting patients to. Uh, take part in programs that they might not necessarily know that they need or that they're eligible for. So this might be uh, anything from uh, long-term condition management. So if you suffer from asthma, um, an annual review uh, is one of the targets that uh, GP surgeries are set. And in this in, the, in this kind of in this situation, the practice needs to go out to the patients and uh, engage the patient in call and recall, um, or use call and recall to engage the patient. Um, and it might be sort of a letter um, that's sent to the door asking the patient to call with GP surgery and book themselves in. Um, some practices use text messaging for the same purposes. Um, and many practices use phone calls. So uh, when there's a quiet moment in the practice, uh, the uh, members of staff, um, so whether receptionists or admin assistants, um, or even sometimes clinicians, will call uh, patients who are eligible on their on their list and try and get them to uh, book into the clinic um, and it kind of kind of occurred to me that um, that was quite labor intensive and what I was seeing on the patient side was actually it wasn't that effective um, if a patient answered the phone at all um, then there's a good chance of getting them to uh, book in but typically I was seeing like 60 70 percent of patients when I called them weren't weren't responding weren't answering the phone um, and Quite often, uh, I'd get given another list to kind of uh, to call patients again the following week, and the same patients would be on there. And I'd start at the top and start working through, and then the practice would get busy again, and I kind of lose my place. Um, I wouldn't be sure who I'd invited the previous week, and I was starting to get concerned that some patients would be missing out. Um, but either way, the kind of the burden of call and recall was certainly something that um, we as a staff team kind of felt, and. It sometimes can be quite frustrating to be 
calling patient after patient and not getting a response or not feeling like you're actually making a difference uh, because certainly all the staff that I was working with were working with in, in the practice they were really bothered about um, the, the impact that their day-to-day jobs were kind of, was leading to the, the positive effect it was having on their populations. So what did you do? <laughs> yeah um, so I started using um, the text messaging system that the practice used for so patient reminders, um, they had a kind of two-way uh, portal in uh, that system. And I just started testing things out, really. Um, I thought if I could identify patients who, A, wanted some wanted this um, intervention, um, and B, we had the right phone number for, and C, were by their phone then and there, then it would make it a lot easier to, um, to fill a clinic. So I started texting um, a list of 30 patients, perhaps, saying you're eligible for um for this thing um would you like it um text back saying the word book and we'll give you a call straight back and i thought that made it a lot easier for patients who from my work in the communities team were often saying how hard it was to get through to the practice um often they felt that calling the practice unless you were going to call them first thing in the morning uh, you'd never get an answer um yeah so I thought this kind of broke down some of those barriers and reduced the friction for patients and it worked and we started to get um, make it much easier to actually uh, book people in this way um, and I, it would literally be a case of uh, sitting there with this uh, sms portal open and as soon as a, a sort of ping went off and a message came in i would read the message and call the patient back and they'd answer straight away and they'd be really surprised that Excellent. someone had called them back uh, like within 30 seconds of um of him being texted, of, text, of texting the practice. And then I started to think, um, how can I make this better? And there's a couple of things I landed on. Um, the first was um, some behavioral economics. Um, and so I should say my background is uh, in uh, economics. And so I had a bit of an understanding of, of what behavioral economics was, but really it's about how you phrase something, how you provide information, um, how you structure uh, a an invitation in this case to make it as easy as possible for someone to understand and to know what to do as a response. So it might be um, a lot, a lot of the kind of principles of behavioral economics are about making something easy, about making something attractive, um, about making something social. So saying other people in your community are doing this um, is really powerful, but also making it timely. And so sending people messages at times that they're likely um, to have time to respond to a text. So emailing, texting them at nine in the morning uh, might not be um, the best idea because 9 a.m. is a very busy time for lots of people. Uh, they're either settling into work on the way to work, finishing the school run or, or something else. Um, so thinking about all those things, I thought we could start to kind of optimize this process. But then I also started to think, why do I need to be involved at all? Can we start to think about using digital technology to make um, me redundant in this. Um, and that kind of grew into, instead of asking patients to text back a, um, a keyword like book, it started to include things like uh, including the appointments in the text message itself. So we'd have an ABC choice of three different appointments. And then a patient could just respond A, B or C and book themselves in. Now, in the early days, that was sort of me constructing, painstakingly constructing these messages and being a bit of a robot. Um, basically, the text, eligible patients and 
and then booking them into the uh, patient administration system manually. But I kind of had an eye on the future um, where this was all automatable and this was something that could actually start to save my colleagues a lot of time and make access much easier for patients. And at this point, were you still a volunteer? Yes, yes, totally. Um, I was um, sort of working, working in the practice as a volunteer, just running these little little trials. And I, I think it was that was really critical um, because I had a lot of access to sort of patient data, um, and I was I had to be part of the practice ecosystem. I think um, to have all the IG requirements in place um, to have that relationship with the practice staff where they were willing to try something new um, and the practice management who can were willing to trust me and to, to let me give something a go. So I, that, I think being embedded in the practice was a huge advantage for this stage. And how did you get that opportunity? Um, as in to work, to volunteer in the practice in the first place? Yeah. Um, so I was actually part of a programme called Year Here as a fellowship um, and their kind of, their principles are around putting uh, people um, with a bit of a professional history um, in situations where they get exposure to the sort of front line of social inequality. Um, and the GP surgery that I was working was in was serving a very deprived community. Um, we we're in, based in Tower Hamlets and really they were trying to do new things um, or think about things differently um, to improve, improve a lot for their patients. And they signed up with um, Year Here uh, to host a placement uh, fellow um, and and I got lucky and was and was uh, picked to be put in this GP surgery I, I'd never considered working in healthcare before that um, I was really just interested in in um, doing something with more purpose um, because my background was in was in banking and I was kind of pushing away from that um, but that uh, that opportunity and being placed in a GP surgery was uh, yeah I, I'm so grateful for, for the opportunity just, sometimes it's just we find ourselves in the right place in the right time, but you don't know it, but you just say yes. Totally. totally. I remember um, there's, a, there's a phase, the first part of the AA programme um, is you kind of fill in a, um, you fill in a spreadsheet of the different social um, injustice areas uh, that you're interested in working in. And you can kind of click least preferred all the way through to most preferred. And I was really just looking to, to, to understand what I thought and understand what mattered to me. So I just clicked most preferred, preferred for everything. And it just so happened that this practice um, was looking for, for people with a, a history in analytics, people who were sort of data conversant and um, someone who, who could come in and start to look, take, a thing, take a look at things from a sort of a technical, uh, analytical perspective. And so, yeah, I feel so, so lucky that, 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 the situation conspired to be such a great one. So just, I want to just kind of review, I think for those of you that are listening that are wherever you work and you're thinking about a change and you're thinking about how can I make it better? What I really like what you said, Hector, was you're thinking about how you phrase and structure communications. You're thinking about how to make it as easy as possible for people to participate. Um, the offer needs to be attractive. You need to make it timely and you, making it social, I think, are really, really key things that we can all take into. We can all start thinking about when we're trying to when we're trying to make these changes. I think that's a really nice kind of little framework. I think I think those kind of frameworks are really useful, and, and that's that framework's called the East Framework. If anyone wants to look it up, 
um, so EAST, and it's put out by the Behavioural Insights Team um, or the Nudge Unit, um, which is uh, so, uh, so London-based. Um, I think we spun out of government um, to, to look at the ways that uh, behavioural economics and behavioural science could um, help help uh, progress of social social issues and uh, public issues. And really, but the, it all starts with looking at but where you're at at the moment and what your current activities are. And that's where it started for me. Um, this idea of kind of stuffing envelopes and sending letters to patients or sending text messages to patients uh, or leaving voicemails on their machines and asking them to call back. Each step of that is kind of putting the burden of responsibility on a patient. And it's asking the patient to jump through some hoops to do something that you want them to do. And they might not necessarily understand they might not necessarily value and they might not necessarily be motivated to do this thing because quite often a voicemail left on a machine is very brief. It's just, this is the practice, can you call us back? And that could actually be quite harmful if patients become worried or uh, anxious about what, what it's about. Um, so even those little micro changes of how you phrase things, um, how you make it easier for patients to, um, to access the thing that you want them to do. Um, all of that is really a kind of a, a great place to start thinking about your current activities and how you can make it easier um, for your patients. So can we jump from then to now? So how long has, yeah, what's kind of, where are you now? Um, so I started at as an as a sort of organisation, as a social enterprise um, in uh, July 2017. Um, and at that point, um, it was really with a mind to try and take all this stuff I'd learnt um, from working with one GP surgery and make it available to as many patient places as possible. I knew that I didn't necessarily have the skills to kind of build a tech company. I'd never done it before. Um, I didn't have the resources to um, to go and hire the kind of skills that I needed. So really what started then was kind of like a step-by-step -step, uh, process of kind of leveraging what I had and the skills I had and the opportunities I had to get us to the next level. And so the first 18 months, it was uh, just me. Um, and it was about running pilots that started off being very manual um, and using that kind of data that we collected to uh, prove to practices and to commissioners that this thing was, was viable and it had, had some legs and had the potential to make a lot of difference to patients and practices. And then they started to become willing to um, give a small amounts of funding to run these pilots to pay for my time and to pay for uh, some of the, the costs for the text messaging and some of the uh, underlying technical infrastructure. And that helped us build a prototype um, to build something that was sort of semi-scalable so I could stop being this kind of robot um, using uh, an SMS portal and I could start uh, building something that actually um, took me out of the equation for real. Um, and that, uh, allowed me to do bigger pilots and collect more data. And we started to work with Barking and Dagenham, um, another sort of quite deprived part of the East End of London, um, and started to run a pilot on health checks and increasing the uptake of NHS health checks, which are a really important uh, cardiovascular disease screening program. And we collected enough data there to convince uh, Innovate UK, which is a research uh, and innovation funding arm of the government, uh, to um, invest in apps to uh, award us some grant funding to build a team. And so now we're four people uh, that are 
building out uh, apt into something that's really scalable. And we're, as I mentioned before, we're a social impact uh, organization, we're a social enterprise, and we're, we're, that means that we're kind of trying to match um, commercial success with social impact. And we, we value the two equally. So in order to reach as many people as possible and to give, to improve access to healthcare for as many people as possible, we need to start scaling up what we're doing. And that's a really a, a big focus um, for us right now. That's amazing. So how, how big is your team at the moment? Um, so we're four full-time members of staff and uh, one part-time member of staff. Um, and we're, our work is kind of geographically focused at the moment in East London. Um, but uh, as we come towards the end of a kind of randomized control trial that we've been running for the last um, nine months, um, we're hoping to start uh, expanding out. So is the product is the text messaging service, correct? Um, it actually goes a bit further than text messaging now. Um, that was one of the other benefits um, of the Innovate UK um, award. Um, we, we kind of always thought that reach was really important. If you want something to be accessible, then you have to really be conscious of digital exclusion, which is the idea that um, certain parts of the population will be excluded by a sort of a digital only tool, whether that's because they don't know how to use a digital tool, um, they don't know, uh, they'll have access to a, a mobile phone, um, or um, they're not willing to respond um, through that, that means. And so we really wanted to expand it out. So we started to add um, paper letters, which people um, are used to uh, interacting with the health system uh, with. Um, and off the back of that, there's a couple of triggers um, or a couple of booking mechanisms. Um, one of which is um, a text message booking uh, system. So you get a letter through the door and you can text in to book. Um, one of them is an automated voice uh, system. So you receive a letter through the door and rather than calling the practice and risking beyond hold or um, not getting through, um, you can ring an automated system that allows you to book in by pressing buttons over the phone. Um, but you can also call your practice too, um, because again, not everyone wants to use an automated system. So how can we, uh, every step we're kind of thinking, how can we make this as accessible as possible to as many people as possible? And that reach is always going to be really important, I think, especially in uh, the realm of preventive healthcare. Is there anything else like it on the market? Um I think, yes, there is. Um, there's a couple of uh, uh, systems that kind of use communications um, as a kind of core part of what they do about connecting um, members of clinical or administrative staff in uh, care providers to patients. And that obviously that's an incredibly important thing. Um, there's also some organisations that kind of create a um, automate the outbound aspects of call and recall. So sending letters to patients um, sending text messages to patients um, and creating that kind of outbound outbound messaging. Um, what I think that no one really does is connect that to the appointments and take the burden and responsibility off the patients and focus on making it as easy as possible to access the appointments themselves. That's where I think that we're uh, really ahead of the field. Um, and by including appointments in uh, messages, whether that's an SMS or whether that's an automated voice message, that really reduces the barriers that patients face when trying to access things like preventive healthcare. Um, and that's where I think that we're, we're, we stand alone. So lots of people ask me around 
You know, when you want to do something and then it's time to make the change, it's time to make the leap. How did it feel when you thought, okay, I'm going to set up a tech business, even though I don't have, you know, I've never done it before. It's not my background. What kind of, what was the thought process around, okay, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to build a company. I'm going to get funding. I need employees. Take me through that. Um, I think, I mean, when I've heard people talk about this, uh, this kind of subject in the past, it's always, it feels like it's kind of the kind of thing that happens overnight. That suddenly you wake up and you kind of have an inspiration that I've got to do this. I mean, that wasn't the case. Um, I had tons of support from uh, my colleagues in the practice that I was with them. So volunteering in uh, from people on the fellowship that I was part of, kind of encouraging me um, and saying that it's, it's worth giving this a go. And I really can't under um, understate how important that was to me. Um, it really gave me the confidence to kind of go and go and try something and go and be willing to to put myself out there a little bit. Um, but the kind of the day that that I decided yes, I'm going to go for this, I think was um, one day where we really saw. Um, I, I was running a kind of a big pilot um, or the biggest pilot um, I'd, I'd done to them, which was I think about thirty patients. And we ended up getting about 40% of the patients responding back and, and wanting to book this appointment. I was like, wow, that's, we filled the clinic. We filled a couple of clinics. Wow, <laughs> this, actually, this actually really works. And that kind of signaled that this, this was something that, that, that needed doing. And if I wasn't going to do it, who was? Um, that was really the kind of the, the spurts for me. Um, the thing that, that kind of made me think, yeah, we need to come up. We need to take this forward, um, but it's it's not an individual thing. And I think anybody who says that that, that doing something, anyone who said that they did something on their own, um, it's probably not quite reflecting the truth because it's it, it. No one does anything alone, right? No, it's a team effort. Hundred percent. I always ask people what a typical day is like, and it's really hard to answer. So, what did you do yesterday? Um, so yesterday, I started off. Um, kind of, processing a workshop that uh, the team um the whole app team all for uh, for um for full-time member staff and one part-time member staff had kind of participated in on wednesday um we spent about three hours four hours in a room um basically ha- hashing out our kind of mission and vision and really kind of articulating that and getting aligned on that and that kind of um those kinds of discussions always throw up so many uh interesting insights and so many uh, things that need to be thought about and it takes time to process that so I spent about two or three hours in the morning really processing um, everything that had come out of that session um, then in the afternoon I went to meet um, a sort of colleague from NHSX to uh, chat through uh, their role and understand what um, NHSX was like uh, on the inside just for, for anyone who doesn't uh, know NHSX is one of the new is a new um part of um, the NHS uh, that's really focusing on patient experience or user experience. And that's what the X stands for, experience. Um, and they're looking at uh, innovation and new ways uh, of, of doing things to improve the lot of everyone who interacts with the NHS, whether that's uh, as an employee or as a patient. Um, and that was a really interesting kind of conversation. Um, you, speaking to people in the wider uh, sector it's a really great way to kind of understand what's what's going on and get a bit of a bit of a pulse for um for, for what else is taking place and, and the kind of themes that people are thinking about 
Uh, and then in the afternoon uh, or evening, um, it was really admin. It was um, looking at our various sort of uh, booking campaigns that are on, are got ongoing uh, and making sure that they're, um, they're running properly, making sure that they're, um, everything's being handled uh, as it should and that no one's falling through the, gra- the, the cracks. Yep, that is a typical day. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be very different today. <laughs> um, have you experienced any challenges since you've started? Any times, any moments of doubt, any moments where you thought, I definitely will not do that again? Um, certainly. <laughs> certainly. certainly. <laughs> I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying harder to think of when I haven't felt <laughs> there's been one challenge or another. I think the nature of, of starting anything or doing something new um, is, is just like fraught with that, those kinds of feelings. Um, and that, that was the case when we were doing trials um, and running pilots, uh, and it's the case today. Because, I mean, it's, if you're doing something new, the uncertainty and the, the unknowns have, a, have a, a, a tendency to kind of creep up on you and, and suddenly make you think, oh, wait, have we actually, have we actually got this right? Have, um, is, this, is this real? Um, are we missing something? So, yeah, all the time, all the time. And how do you how do you process that without becoming, you know, like really stressed? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a very good question. Um, sometimes the stress does kind of build up, and yeah. and it it just does. Um, I think all of us, given the state of modern world, have experienced stress in one form or another. Mm. Um, but the important thing I think, is how you how you process it, as you say. Um, and really, I, I do a lot of writing, um, so writing to myself uh, to process those kinds of thoughts um, and those kinds of feelings. And I find that really helps because it's very easy to get trapped in your own head, but it's much harder to get trapped on a page. Um, if you start writing things down, it's, very, it's much easier to identify where this kind of uh, circular logic is making you kind of rehash and rehash the same concerns and not see the bigger picture um, and not think about all the things you've achieved up till now and all the things that sort of all the positives of where you are so when those moments of doubt do creep in have writing writing down what I'm thinking about and re- oh, writing down what I'm thinking about really helps me to think about the bigger picture and to step out of that 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 moment and think about the it in the context of everything else. Oh, thank you for sharing that. So what is working really well at the moment? Um, I think that the team that we have um, at the moment is working really well. Um, so just to give you an idea of, uh, of what our team kind of looks like, it's, it's myself um, as a developer, uh, the lead developer, um, a service designer, uh, an implementation lead, uh, and um, a project support uh, function as well. And as I mentioned, we had this kind of workshop on Wednesday and moments like that, you kind of come out of it and you think, this is clicking. There's something working here. We, we're, we're all more or less aligned on where we're going and um, what we're trying to achieve. And we all believe that this is um, the right direction and that, that there's, there's an optimistic view for the future um, in, in what we're doing. And that, that, just feels like it's going really well at the moment that having people you can rely on people who get it people who uh, are supportive that just feels like a really a really positive thing for for act at the moment and what you mentioned a trial where are you with that 
Um, yeah, so we're, we're actually um, wrapping up. Um, we were in the final few days of, uh, of our trial. So anyone, anyone who understands um, or is um, aware of NHS targets will know that a lot of them run um, across the financial year. So that means that by um, anyone who is processed after the end of March will fall into the following financial year. So we're having to wrap up uh, now to give patients time to uh, attend the appointments that they book uh, to really understand the impacts and to analyse the results of this trial. Um, so hopefully we'll have some results um, in early April that we can we can share with um, with everyone. And, and that will really be, it's, it's been a randomised control trial. So that mean means we've kind of taken 50% um, of the eligible population um, in the practices we we're working with in Barting and Dagenham and we've given them uh, business as usual. So what typically happens, whether that's outbound texts, outbound letters, outbound telephone calls, because every practice does it a different way. So we wanted to preserve that uh, business as usual. And then the other 50% are apt cohorts. Um, and they have gone through a workflow um, designed by apt uh, to make sure we reach as many people as possible and to make sure we can um, increase the uptake of the NHS health check. and the analysis that we'll kind of do at the end is to understand um, whether our approach is better than the sort of business as usual um, to start to analyse the cost effectiveness uh, of our approach um, as in does it cost less to run an apps call and recall process than it does to, to run a, a business as usual process um, and also to look at who's engaging because um, we're really bothered about the impact of health inequality uh, on uh, the uptake of screening programs. And we really want to make sure that we're not just reaching a sort of a more privileged group uh, or a, a more wealthy group. We want to make sure that we're reaching um, groups equally or we're not excluding anybody from taking part in preventive health care by, by following an apt process. Um, so there's a lot of analysis that's been take, going to take place uh, within Barking Dagenham Council and their innovation team uh, or insight innovation team and yeah we hope to publish that um, in in early April. If you were to win an award what would it be for? Gosh me, me or apt? Um, you. Me uh, gosh I'm going to answer kind of what uh, what award I'd like like to win <laughs> if, <Okay>. uh, rather <laughs> yeah. than if I was likely to because I think I think it's, I don't want to be too uh, presumptive but I really there's, there's quite there's a couple of um, impact awards uh, that take place every year, especially as the kind of the um, social enterprise and social impact organisation kind of sector develops. Um, I really would really love to kind of to be recognised for some of the work we're doing around uh, reducing the effects of health inequality. I'd I think that that'd be a real um, there'd be a real moment of kind of recognition for for Apt and our team. Um, and I, yeah, really really hopeful that in at some point in our in our future that, that that's there's, there's something like that and my last question is what would be your number one piece of advice for someone looking to set up a business in the field of healthcare? um it would be to start with some empathy i think and for me what that looked like was was the, the time i spent on the front line working in a practice uh, and understanding the context of um not just patients but also the members of staff that 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 what your business would interact with in the future. Um, and starting in that kind of frontline grounding, I think is just so, so critical for 
uh, an organ for a sector like healthcare, where it's ba- built on human relationships and on communication and on understanding and information, and all of those things have to intersect um, if you want to get a good outcome. And it's really important to understand the implications of tweaking one of those things. And if you start to jump in without really having understood, um, having understood all of those kind of those the the, the, the interactions there, then you've, there's a real concern that you could end up doing harm rather than doing good. Um, and given the nature of what healthcare is all about, that's that's really um, that's really a, a no go uh, zone for me. Thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find out more about you guys? So we're on um, social media, including sort of Twitter, LinkedIn, um, at uh, health. Uh, so it's at underscore health or at dash health and both. Um, but also at our website, which is at dash health.co.uk. Um, and we've got a sign up sheet there. So if, you, if you're interested in uh, hearing the results of our, uh, of our trial, um, please do uh, go and sign up on our website. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Cool. And we'll leave the link in our show notes below. Thank you so much. Oh, no, thank you. It's been a pleasure to thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and we hope that you enjoyed it if you did enjoy it we would love it if you left us an itunes review or if you comment like and share it on our social media channels you can find us on twitter at thc primary care and on linkedin just look for tara humphrey so the business of healthcare podcast is being brought to you by thc primary care We are a project management company specialising in the development of primary care networks, GP federations and training hubs. If you need support or you are looking for advice on how to progress one of your initiatives, please drop us an email so I can arrange a call with you so we can discuss this further. Our email is admin at thcprimarycare.co.uk. We've been helping primary care networks with their development plans, helping them to make the most of their network meetings, sharing training resources. We've had questions like, what do we include in a project plan? We have implemented network-based contracts across GP federations. We also support the day-to-day operational management of training hubs and have also got experience in setting them up from scratch. If we can't help you, we definitely know some people who will be able to help you, so please do get in touch. And that's just to remind you, our email address is admin at thcprimarycare.co.uk or come and find us on www.thcprimarycare.co.uk. And in the meantime, please tune in to the next episode of the Business of Healthcare podcast. Podcast.